Amen. Thank God for that today. We know redeem means to buy back or bring back. And only the elect are considered in redemption. Other folks can be saved, but as far as being redeemed, the only way it can be redeemed was if it has an identity with the Redeemer. Thank God for that today. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. So for some who are going to the city that we're going to read about, they're actually going back home. Back home. Because they came from home. So they're going back home. Others are going, by the grace of God, to be able to go there and be there. And it will become their home. But it wasn't their home in the beginning. And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. My, my, thank God. Let's read this verse again. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they might have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Let's pray together. Father, we've already sensed your great awesome presence here today. We could just say the dismissal prayer right now and go home and say it was good to be in the house of God. Because any time that you come near, it so, so blesses us as human beings. We're so thankful that we have an awesome God, a mighty God that's alive. We thank you that you truly are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're asking you today, Father, that now that you would help us, we come to uh, this very important, vital part of the service. How we appreciate songs and worship and prayer requests and testimonies of things that you have done. But yet we know that you said in your word that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So we're here today, Father, not that we would be able to just greet one another, though that would be nice to see each other and ask about our well-being, how we're doing. We're not here to assemble just to sing, and that's wonderful too. But we've come today that our souls might be fed on that hidden manna that would give us sustenance and strength and help us, Father, for the days that lay ahead. So we're asking now that you would bless this food that we're about to receive. Make it nourishment to our bodies. May it be strength. May it be courage. May it be that which we have need of, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. So the tree of life became a man. As we was looking at it last night in the Garden of Eden with the different types of trees that were there, some had leaves, some had bark, some had branches, and there were others that were trees that were identified in the Garden of Eden. They did not have any 
branches, no bark, no leaves, no sap, as it were, but yet God called them trees. One was the man tree, which was Adam. Another was the woman tree, which was Eve. There was a tree of life, which was also the tree of faith. There was another called the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which was the tree of science and the tree of death. These are different, of course, names and titles given to these trees which were in the paradise of God, which God had placed there for birth purpose to the human race that would come upon the earth. We know in order for the tree of life to be able to be partaken of, that the cherubim stood before the gate of the entrance uh, to guard the way back to the tree of life. Uh, we know that in reality they could not get of it, but it was being around its presence. It was being where it was. It was set apart, sacred, sanctified. So God put the cherubims there that would protect the way back to the tree of life until the tree of life could be made flesh in order that its life could be shared and be partaken of. But I imagine it must have been a mysterious thing to Satan as he saw God move over into the masculine form of redemption and leave the feminish form in such a frail state. He saw as God did things toward Israel being the church, and he saw God blessing them, loving them, reaching out to them. But he never saw anything in the Old Testament that would ever lead him to be alarmed that there was a bride tree that was being reformed and brought back to a place of true restoration. Must have been something that he looked at and marveled and wondered. Uh, God, surely God would not start something in the Garden of Eden and then forsake that plan and leave, leave it go and not go back and try to bring it back. It must have been something that held him in, a, in an element of suspense. Now, he noticed that God had used the church in the Old Testament. Of course, he had called them Israel, and he had blessed them, given them many things, done many things for them. But it was as if, as if though God never actually set his goal toward bringing them to a state to restore them back to where Eve was in the Garden of Eden. And it must have been something that Satan looked at from generation to generation, and he would see how that God would use them. God would send prophets and judges and kings and different ones in the dispensations, and they would bring them up to a certain level. But he knew enough about God to know that God's achievement never was actually focused on anything higher than a judge or a king or a prophet. He must have marveled in thinking, what is it that he has in his mind to do? Now remember, he was there in the garden that day whenever he heard the voice of God as God began to pronounce the judgment upon the serpent. And he heard him as he said to Adam, Because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife, cursed is the ground for thy sake. And then he goes to degrading uh, to Adam what's going to happen to him. And then he hears the words which are spoken to the woman. He does not curse her per se, but he says that through much pain and labor, she will bring forth children into the earth. And he hears God say these words that 
he would be able to bring them back and God would do something in restoration. The prophet tells us as he started to drive them out of the garden gate and Adam walking down through there and the bloody sheepskin was hitting his leg as he walked out. And the blood was running down his side and Eve had leaned her hair, her head rather, over against Adam's chest and they were walking out together and her tears and his tears mingled together as they run down his body and they merged together with the blood of the lamb. And he saw God so moved and God was overwhelmed with this love that he experienced with this man. So God came down in the form of pillar of fire and said, I promise you, I will bring you back. I will restore you. And Satan must have wondered, Brother Jerry, for decades, centuries actually, as it evolved into millennium. Oh, when is God going to do that? When is God going to ever restore that Eve? An Eve that would be into the original state that the one was in the Garden of Eden. And he saw that Israel by no means ever got even close to that image of what Eve was in the Garden of Eden. He saw that the kings and the prophets and the priests and the Levitical order and all that God did was never able to bring the Old Testament church into that spot. And it was as if though that God himself was satisfied and only bringing it to a certain level and never trying to accomplish a full restoration back to the Eve which was in Eden. It must have been a perplexing type of thing. And we know that God keeps much of his mystery. And we know that Satan, of course, was the original archangel, the original cherubim, which stopped the approach, the divine approach, according to what he said in Ezekiel 28 also in Isaiah, that he was the cherubim that, that was at the right hand of God. And he knew great things about the plan of God. But there was much about God's program that God didn't, of course, allow him to know. And he must have really been wondering and pondering in his own being. I heard God say that that day. When is God going to do it? I, I don't understand. I see, I see Israel and I've been able to mess them up in every generation. I see the kings and I've, I've been able to get them. I've seen prophets and I've caused them to be angry and to lose their temper. I've caused them to do all kinds of things. And when is God going to pull out the big gun? So God pulls it out, and it was about this long, weighed six, seven pounds, something like that, and cried because it was a baby. Now, it didn't look like it, but this was the big gun. Praise God. It certainly would not have looked like what the world would have thought would have turned this whole thing around. It looked as any other baby. It looked as any other boy. Circumcised as any other Jewish male child would have been. No doubt when they took the sharp rock to circumcise him, he cried. 
And his young mother must have squinted as the expression of pain on her baby's face. The others there must have saw him as no different than any other Jewish boy. He wasn't the only one that day to be circumcised. And Satan looking and looks like any other boy to me. I don't see nothing special, nothing angelic, nothing miraculous. Oh, they say it was a virgin birth, but we know what that was. That was nothing but her and Joseph. We know what they'd done. They'd sinned and they was just trying to make it supernatural by that. Well, we've heard all that sort of stuff before. It certainly would not look like the change of history was now being embraced by this priest as she lays him in the arms of the priest. And his assistant takes the sharp rock and he cuts off the little example of skin that was there. And the little baby cries, which they would wait until the male child was circumcised. And then they would ask for his name. So they would circumcise him, the blood dripping from his body. And the priest would then say, his name shall be called. And she says, Yeshua. She spoke Greek, Aramaic. Our word, Jesus. His name shall be called Jesus. Praise be to God. Well, nothing moved in the temple. The pillars didn't shake. There was no great angelic host that came down. Hell did not tremble. Satan never bowed down before the name. So, he went back home. His mother packed him home. He got to be a year old, then two, then three, eight, nine, eleven. We don't even see any more from him. Until a twelve-year-old boy appears in Jerusalem. It's his bar mitzvah where he is allowed to enter into being a man of the Torah. As a 12-year-old boy, he takes the scroll and in his bar mitzvah, they allowed them, they identified them actually as becoming a man at that age. So he would have been allowed to take the word and read the word. We know that his mother and father so-called They went on three days journey away from him and they left him. And they finally come back and they found him. It wasn't shooting marbles. He didn't have a video game in his hands like a lot of our 12 year old boys do. But he was in the temple discussing the law with the learned men. That within itself should have been a red flag to the devil. But you know, the devil, as much credit as we want to give him, sometimes he's pretty dumb. So his mother comes and Joseph comes and son, where have you been? We've been looking looking for you now for three days under justification, under sanctification, under restoration of gifts. And we're wondering where you are. So this then was the move when Jesus was back in the church again with the word. I hope you understand that's where we are. Amen. After three days journey, 
Jesus is back with us. I said, wish ye not that I must be about my father's business. The scripture tells us, of course, in Luke 2.52, that Jesus went back and was subject unto them and grew in stature and in wisdom before God and man. Again, we have several years of silence to where we see no miracles, we hear no supernatural phenomenon, nothing that has gone on with his life. But then we see a wild man appear down there on the Jordan and he's ducking these people in water. He is a very strange man. He is a man that is very gruff, a man that is very rude, a man that most people today would not want to hear him because he had no pulpit manners. That's right. He was not a man of very much etiquette, a man with hardly any politeness to him at all. He wasn't a man that some of you would be around. The prophet said probably never brushed his, brushed his teeth in his life. A man that was dressed very rude and very rough and his diet was very plain, but he was a man that had a message. Now this man did not preach it very long, about six months, and he had truly six true converts that he was able to turn their hearts toward the provided word for the day. But his main mission on the earth was to be able to baptize the man tree in water. Now we see now as we come to here and this part, this focus, or the word we would like to focus for a few moments is that God has now achieved the great mystery which was in his secret to reveal himself down to man. But he must do it in such a way that he'll do it right before Satan and all of his imps out of hell, but they will not exactly know what is going on. Remember, he has the power of death, Satan does. And he must do it in a way that will be just. And he must do it in a way that will be righteous in order to fully redeem the elected. We watch this man as he comes down and John is baptizing and I can see him as he comes down the Jordan River and there he was because the scripture says he baptized there because there was much water. And as Jesus comes walking out, looks like any ordinary man, maybe his hair down about shoulder length or so, with a full beard, flowing garments on, uh, there was nothing brilliant about his garments, nothing dazzling, white like snow. He would have looked like an ordinary man if you'd have talked to him, he would have sounded like any Jew of that modern time. But it was God that was hid behind the veil on the outside. Now remember, he was God the Word when he was born. But the Word, remember how God did that? How that God separated the power from the Logos? And the Logos could be written, the Logos could be spoken, the Logos could be talked, but it would not have the dynamics on the Logos to be able to make it live. So Jesus was the Word made flesh when he was born. Is that right? But the fullness of the Godhead had not yet come in him until the river. So what is it? It is the Logos which is receiving the pollen from the invisible God. 
Now to, to him, of course, we know goes all glory and credit. And this is why Jesus would separate himself and saying these words sometimes that would have been confusing. No doubt to the people, I can do nothing except my father shows me. And he said, it's not me that do the works. It is my father. So here he's not talking about two gods, but he's simply talking about the invisible indwelling spirit and the humanity or the human temple, which was on the outside. The father was the indwelling presence. The son was the body. I hope this don't stumble you, but one day you realize you're the same thing. You're the son or the daughter of God. That's your tabernacle. But deity is what lives on the inside of you. Now remember the promise is, blessed are they that wash their garments or obey his word, that they may have a right to the tree of life. So the right must be reinstituted by the power of redemption. Now God cannot just take our sins and act as if though we never sinned and say, well, I'll just kind of turn my head to it and, and I'll give it back to you anyway. No, he cannot do it that way. He must do it in a just manner and sin must be dealt with once and for all. So just to forgive us of our sins is wonderful, but forgiveness itself does not release you from the power of sin in your fallen nature. Now listen to me. Now this is where so many people, this as far as they go. They ask God to forgive them of their past sins and God does that. But they do not receive the power of eternal life which will empower them to not do the same thing again. So what do they do? They wind up doing the same thing again and again and again and again and again. And well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So it's an unending cycle because all they've done is receive the power of forgiveness, not the power to lead them to a sinless life. I don't want to just be forgiven. I want to be able to overcome. I don't want to just, well, I forgive you, Donnie. I forgive you, Donnie. I forgive you, Donnie. I I don't want God to have to do me that way all the time. I don't want to be out here running around acting like a sinner doing the things of the world. And my constant fellowship with God is based on forgiveness. I want it to be based upon more than forgiveness. Now, I thank God for forgiveness because we all need it, do we not? But yet at the same time, if that's as far as you've got with God, you ain't got very far at all. As a matter of fact, you ain't even out of kindergarten yet. That's right. But God must make the covenant to where that man will be able to break into the covenant himself. Now, unlike the Old Testament covenant where God told Moses to take the law, of course, received on the mount. And when he comes down, then the covenant must be solidified in the hearts of the people. So Moses takes the blood and Moses sprinkles the book with the blood and Moses sprinkles the people with the blood. Now, he tells him, God tells him to say these words, by this blood you now enter into into the covenant betwixt me and you. You are my people, I've chosen you, and these are my words. Now God knew before he ever gave them to him, they could not keep them because God under the old covenant had not made a way where this tree was made flesh. So the tree, a portion of the tree was what? What was the tree? Christ the word. So a portion of the tree come down in the form of two tablets. What was it? Logos. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. But there was nothing released out of that word to give them power to overcome it. 
So what did it do? It only instilled a fear in the hearts of human beings. Now if you carry a stick on the Sabbath day, you'll be stoned. A man that lays with his neighbor's wife, he'll be killed. If you did this, you'll be treated this way. What was it? The law come with fear. God don't want his people serving him out of fear. He wants you obeying his word because you love him, not because you're scared of him. Well, praise God, but there's no way the law could ever be able to bring this into the covenant. So the people were joined together in the covenant. It didn't last but a few days until they start breaking the command of God. They enter into idolatry. They do everything imaginable because the law itself did not release the life from the tree. Oh, hallelujah. So God ordained a plan. Now he knew it, of course, in the Old Testament. But it was not the right time frame. Remember, everything that God does, he does it for a reason. He must prove that man cannot keep his covenant. He also is proving in this day that man cannot even handle the dispensation of grace. Because man abuses God's grace. And man takes advantage of God's grace. Man uses God as a, you know, just something when he's in the time of need and trouble. And then when God moves for him, he throws God in the back tires of his like a like a spare in the back tire you know and well I need God again and he'll put it back on then God helps him he takes it back off it proves man does not understand how to use God's grace oh hallelujah so the key that the almighty must produce is one to unlock the door into eternal life that eternal life must become personified in a way by which man himself will be able to receive him and replace something that man received by the fall in the garden of Eden which was what? a nature contrary to God's word now we know that Adam's choice in the garden of Eden was not to become a sinner Adam was not a son of the devil never was, never would be Come on, his free moral agents had nothing to do with him going to hell. God never told Adam, look Adam, in that day you eat thereof, you'll go to hell. God couldn't say that because Adam could not go to hell. Adam could never. Well, come on now. God never told him in the day you eat thereof, that day you'll go to hell. But the day you eat thereof, that day you shall die. Let me just go ahead and tell you, there never has been, there never will be one son or one daughter of God whose name is in the Lamb's book of life who will ever walk walk into hell they will never be into that regions of the lost it is totally impossible notice this and the Lord Jesus came to the earth as the great prophet tree the eternal life tree the prophet said this way he was God's prophet tree why he preached all the perfect word of God for he was the word of God made manifest he was the perfect prophet tree that preached the perfect prophet word that brought forth perfect prophet fruit by the perfect word of God. Oh brother, talk about a tree, a tree. He was that life tree that the angel, he was, now listen, that angel kept even Adam away from guarding the cherubims, away from that tree. Now the same cherubims is trying to run them into it because there's been a way made for them. 
Now in this though, but God must veil that so Satan will not understand the program. He will try to interrupt the program of God if he understands what it is. So the Lord Jesus allows himself to appear and look like an apostle, which he was, which means one sin. He also allows himself to appear in the form of a prophet. So he was the God prophet. So he would stand and do in the office of a prophet. He was also in the office of a deacon whenever he plighted the cords together and run the money changers out of the temple. That's what the prophet said. So here the, the Lord Jesus is acting. He's got on the actor's garment of an apostle, the actor's garment of a prophet, the actor's garment of a deacon, and the devil saying, which one is he? He's all of them. Now, don't you understand what it's all about? It's so Satan will not fully understand and comprehend what God is fixing to do. Oh, blessed be the Lord. So he is a prophet. So he discerns like a prophet. He is an apostle. He's one sent with a message. He acts like a shepherd, which is a pastor. He is a healer. He works in the supernatural. So many aspects of what he does. And yet the devil trying to figure out really which one is he. He's all of them together. Notice in, the, the prophet goes on to say in page 63 of this message, Restoration of the Rat Tree. Now look, they hanged him on a tree. Is that right? Cursed is he that hangs on a tree. Is that right? The Bible said, cursed is he that hangs on any man-made tree. So if today you're trying to hang on some kind of man-made tree, turn loose of it. Don't let it hang you there either. Now listen carefully how he's going to take this tree and prove that this tree is the spirit of a denomination which it began actually back there 2,000 years ago. Because that's a place for the dead. Some man-made Lutheran, Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal organization, that's right. Some man-made tree, don't hang there and don't let it hang you there either. Well, let's just bring it on down, shall we? It's no longer just Lutheran, Baptist, Presbyterian, and Pentecostal, but we've had folks around this message that's also made some trees. And they want to hang us up on their tree as well. Well, they call it Two Soul, Perusia, Return Ministry, Tape Only, whatever the name they put on it. But they want to get you up on that tree so they can take your life out and infuse their dead doctrine inside of you. Well, praise God. My Lord Jesus has done paid my death on the tree. I don't have to go back to any man-made tree. That's right. Now, if I'm going to go to a tree, it ain't going to be a Roman tree. I want my rights back to the tree of life. I ain't got no rights to the Baptist tree. I ain't got no inheritance in the Pentecostal tree. I ain't got no inheritance in the Roman tree. My inheritance is in the life tree, Christ Jesus. Oh my, notice he says, don't hang there and don't let it hang you there either. They'll hang you there if they can till all the life's gone out of you. Till you recognize their doctrine. Well, praise God. That's what it's all about right there, my brother, sister. You know, that's what folks want to convert you into their ideology, whatever it is, because they will not be satisfied until they will get you to see what they see. Does it produce a better Christian? We, we don't care about that. Does it make you closer to God? We don't care about that. Does it make you a better person? We don't care about that. As long as you believe what we believe. Well, what do you believe? I believe what my pastor believes. Well, what do you believe? Well, we believe the same thing. But what do you believe? It ain't good enough just to say, well, I believe what my pastor believes, but what does your pastor believe? Well, I believe.
believe what my mama believes. Well, what does your mama believe? I don't know, but she believes what the pastor believes. I believe you're crazy. God wants you to know where you stand. What mama believes it or not, whether the pastor believes it or not, we want to come back to God's word. Amen. But what have we got? We got all kinds of trees hung up around the message. And they want to get you up on and crucify you till the life's gone out of you. And then when the life is gone out of you, they will inject their creed dogma doctrine inside of you. Well, praise God. That's right. Notice again, he says, but that's where they hung this perfect tree. God's perfect fruit tree hung on a man-made Roman tree. It was a curse to hang any man-made tree. What is it? To rid him out of their sight after he had bore all the fruits. Look, friends, for many of those who left this message, it would do them all. They'd be so happy and so happy, rejoicing, jumping up and down, whatever more. If ever message pastor would quit preaching, ever message church would fold up. It's amazing to me that a lot of those folks, they do not stand against real error. They do not stand against real, real cults, but they stand against those who's trying to serve God. Tell me, what is this message? What is the damnation of this message? Why is it so hated? What does it do? Does it teach us to molest our children? Does it teach us to rob? Does it teach us to lie? Does it teach us to lead people to hell? No. Why is it so hated? It's from the man tree. And they want it out of their sight. My answer to that is... Just wait a while. We'll be gone. Notice this. Now he says, you go into all the world. Speaking about Jesus, now speaking to the church. Otherwise, you're going to form what's known to me as a bride. I'll go with you and I'll. Amen. You'll be a part of me. You'll be my bride. My life will be in your body. Just like a husband and wife is one person, you and I are going to be one. At that day, you'll know I'm in the Father, the Father in me, I and you and you and me. Mm, I just love that. Now listen to this statement. Satan gets so angry at that. Praise God. Satan gets so angry. Well, now we found a place where we can make him mad. (laughs) Satan gets so angry at that, see, the oneness of God. Oh, you'll find out one of these days, our little petty things that we argue about and fuss about and debate about this and that and the other. It don't make the devil mad. He don't even get out of his bed when he hears you arguing. But brother, when we really see the real true oneness of God and we become that oneness, that's what upsets hell. All that God was, he poured into Christ. And all that Christ was, he poured into the church. There you are. It makes them all one. Amen. Now look, the bride are one. The tree of life. In other words, like husband and wife is one. Christ and the bride are one. Same thing. Now listen, let's see if you still believe this now. Same thing. Same works. Same signs. 
But now, wait a minute. We've got message folks that say if you preach signs and wonders and speaking in tongues, you're Pentecostal. And we don't want to know that in our move. Well, speak for yourself. I do. Notice now he quotes the man tree. For the works that I do shall you do also. How long to all the world? How much to every creature? Is that right? Oh, listen, we're going to close now. I'm going to fire a magnum. I'm going to fire a magnum. Now, those of you that know anything about shells know that you can have a shell that's, say, a 270, which was made an issue by the Winchester Company, 27 caliber bullet neck down to fit into a, a 30 caliber style on the outside. So they neck it down, which means it moves really, really fast, real flat shooting trajectory. But Roy E. Weatherby took that and he said, now I believe we can even modify it a little bit more. So he took that same thing, put a little bit more powder into it, using a 27 caliber bullet, but he renamed it and called it a two. 270 Weatherby Magnum. Now, 270 is really good for a groundhog, really good for deer, really good for all kinds of things. But if you've got something you want to really reach out there and touch someone, a 270 will lose its velocity. It will also lose its power of impact. And it will cross the line. If you zero the scope into 100 yards, it will cross again at another 200 and something out. By the time you get out 300, it's already fell 8 inches. Oh, you know what? By the time you get plumb out there and lay to see, it ain't got no power. So God said, I'm fixing to fire a magnum. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to stand right here at Pentecost and I'm going to fire this magnum shell. It'll go all the way from here right down to the rapture. Woo! Praise God. It'll change black, white, red, yellow. It'll save Americans, Africans, Chinese, Japanese. It'll go around the world and it'll have the same power at the end that it does at the beginning because it's alpha and omega. <laughs> so what did God fire? The man. <laughs> now I've got a 375 H&H. And y'all know what that even is? A few of you. Well, it's a great big old gun with a great big old bullet. For great big old bad animals. But I had it magnaported several years ago. Y'all know what that is? Okay. You take a laser beam and you come in from two and a half, three inches from the end of the barrel. And they take a laser beam and cut right down through the barrel at three different ports of entry. And it allows the gases to be able to explode out of the end of the barrel instead of here. It reduces the amount of kick, in other words. Because if not, it feels like a Georgia mule. It rattles your brains when you shoot it. Well, praise the Lord. So it is a magnaport. Now, you know, I took it to Africa whenever I went there. So it's for big animals. Oh, it's an overkill for a squirrel and a rabbit, I guarantee you. But the Lord Jesus has got everything we need. So he didn't just hand the church a little BB gun. Bing. Bing. Now, if you're shooting pop cans, a BB gun is ideal. But brother and sister, we ain't shooting no pop cans. We're talking about a devil. We're talking about homosexuality. We're talking about suicide. We're talking about depression. We're talking about demons in the end time that man 
wonder what he thought on the day of Pentecost. Reports kept coming down to hell that they were in the upper room. It didn't seem like they knew what they were doing, but they didn't. How long y'all here for? We're not sure. What's going to happen? We're not sure about that either. What are you waiting for? The promise to be fulfilled, which means what? We don't know what what means, so don't ask us what what is. All we know is we're waiting, and we know we've got to be different. And all of a sudden, praise God, there came a wind, a sound from heaven. What was it? The tree of life in wind form. So here comes the tree of life now that had been released for the power of the blood and his death on Calvary. And here comes the divine impartation of eternal life himself. Now you imagine the devil said, don't worry about them guys. Don't you remember how carnal they are? They fuss and fight over who's going to be the biggest preacher in the message. And they've argued about this and that and the other. They'll never amount to nothing. That was exactly what the Lord Jesus wanted him to believe. That's exactly the way it looked like to the natural eye. But the devil didn't know yet, praise God, that the tree, the man tree, was fixing to come down and pollinate the bride tree. Amen. God had made a way through this, oh hallelujah, this divine example of humanity called the Son of God to give his own life. And here they come in the pillar of fire. And the lick of fire divided. all of a sudden they started speaking in tongues oh my and moving around and started going down into hell Satan Satan we messed up I don't know what was going on you better come up here and check it out what what what's the problem calm down my goodness you're a demon behave yourself Well, you won't behave when you get up in that upper room, devil. I'm telling you right now, take my word for it. What's going on? It ain't so much what's going on. It's what's going in. (laughs) That's what I'm concerned about, devil. I'm afraid he pulled the wall over our eyes. What? What are you talking about? God pollinated the bride tree. Notice this. Notice now they were, that that tree was planted. It was doing great work. We know they went about everywhere. The Lord, while on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 souls was added, baptized, and went into the church. How great fellowship they had. And everybody, wasn't nobody needing nothing. My, anything. Everybody was kind, good-hearted. Lord, you're talking about a miracle. Wow, to find anybody today like that in church, to find a whole bunch of people like that, that'd be something, wouldn't it? Everybody was kind, good-hearted, one another, while there was all one big family. Right. Amen. 
But you see, as Satan hit the woman tree in the Garden of Eden, he must now hit the woman tree in the book of Acts. Now listen how the prophet describes him. He came by a little old ugly looking greedy teeth beetle that lives in four different stages. Joel saw him a four stage insect destroyer. Wow. A four stage insect destroyer. Come forth to destroy that beautiful tree of God. Now the man tree had done been ascended up into heaven sitting on the right hand of the throne. So what is his representation on the earth? The bride tree. So here is the man made manifest in the woman. Amen. Notice again the prophet said now there's four different beetles here and it's actually one beetle. It's one beetle in four different stages. Now what's this little old beetle come by for this great beautiful tree of God? We'll call it a tree which was the church. The first was a palmer worm. That's a little thing, just a little bitty insect of a worm. What did he do, that, that palmer worm? He came along to destroy the fruit of the tree. That's the first thing. So watch Satan now, if he can get to the bedding ground of where the man tree is at. If he can corrupt that bedding ground, he'll get people to keep on joining church. Oh yeah, come on, I believe this, I believe that, I believe something else. But corrupt the bedding ground and every offspring out of there is born defiled. What's this? So here comes this little tiny insect. Now let's go back in history and see the first thing a dignified group got amongst the common people. Oh my, here we go now. Well, then this is good that you can heal the sick and you can do these things. That's wonderful. So you know what we ought to do? We ought to kind of get out here on the bigger class of people. That will understand that the better class, the mayor and the judges and so forth, and the dignitaries of the city, as long as you all are carrying on that way, they'll never come around you. They're afraid of you. Now you imagine some of the uppity-ups of Johnson City and Elizabethan wanting to come to church amongst you, a bunch of holy rollers, the way y'all's out here carrying on here a while ago. While the singing was going on, I heard some of you plumb back there in the office of screaming and a hollering, carrying on, sound like a bunch of Pentecostals. Worshiping God and crying, and those of you that wasn't doing it, you were standing there happy somebody else was, so go ahead and be honest. You're just glad you're among a live bunch of people. Some of you all ain't shouters, but you don't despise those who do. Some of y'all ain't jumpers, but you don't despise those who do. You say, thank God. Right? Why? Because you believe in it. You may not do it, but you say, praise the Lord, anyhow. So here comes this beetle. Hmm. Notice where he starts now. As long as y'all are carrying on the way you want, they'll never come around you. They're afraid of you. Somebody said that, he said. They still are, I guess. 
That's about right. So that's right. They're afraid of the Holy Spirit. Excuse me. So this little palmer worm come around to take off the fruits. Now here was this beautiful bride tree. She's standing on the earth. Oh my, nothing has ever been like it. Absolutely nothing. The first time that deity is revealed in such a form in the feminist attribute of God. And it ain't just one man. It's housewives. It's farmers. It's all kinds of people of all types of class. And they've all got the same birthmark. Deity. There was nothing like it. Nothing ever had been in the Old Testament. And Satan said, so now this has been his plan all along. Why didn't I see that? This is his plan for him to come back and live in them. Great. Great. I got to hand it to you. This is an idea. Do you honestly think I cannot destroy her? I outwitted you in the Garden of Eden. I outwitted you in the form of prophets, teachers, kings. I will outwit you with this church thing. I warn you now, God, I am Lucifer. I will defeat you. Y'all hear something? Is that a mosquito buzzing around? Y'all hear something making a bunch of noise? I hope you learn how to deal with him that way in your life as a child of God. So this palmer worm come around to take off the fruits. I have two pages of fruits, he said. I just want to read some of them. The first thing, the first fruit he took off... Wow, what about, wait a minute, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. What about visions? Healing, signs, wonders, miracles, shouting, jumping, dancing, music. Music is not a fruit of the Spirit. Visions are not a fruit of the Spirit. Shouting is not a fruit of the Spirit. So what did this little bug aim for? The fruits on the bride tree. And the first one that he goes after is brotherly love. Well, apparently, brotherly love must be very important. I mean, it needs more of it. That's right. The one of the things that kills the church right there. When brotherly love. Yes, sir. Then the next thing he took off the tree, you remember? Love is the fruit on the tree. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. That's right. In the Holy Ghost, nine spiritual gifts with nine fruits of the tree. So the tree is blooming. It's reproducing. People are getting filled with the Holy Ghost. The dead are being raised. Sick are being healed. What is it? It's the man tree in the woman tree. The bridegroom tree in the bride tree. And Satan says, fine. I love a good challenge. God, I challenge you. I promise you, I'll defeat your church. God could answer back and say, go and try. But let me just tell you before you do, I will restore, saith the Lord. <laughs> Can we look at these fruits? 
Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation, which is hypocrisy and acting like you love somebody when you don't. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. Praise God. Now remember, this is part of the foundation by which the roots of the bride tree had now set her roots down into the gospel coming from the church age messenger Paul. So they kept hearing this about brotherly love, loving one another. You see, it's not just loving God that'll get you in. If you love God and hate your brother, you're a murderer. And you're also a liar. It ain't good enough to say, well, I love the Lord Jesus, but I'll tell you one thing, I sure hate so-and-so, and I hate so-and-so. No, you don't, you don't know the Lord Jesus yet. Because when you know him, you will love your brother. And some brothers is hard to love, I grant it. Just like some sisters are. Amen, Brother Donnie. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> my, my. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. Now, why not godly love? It's one thing to love a God you don't see. It's another thing to love a brother you do see with all of his faults. I'm going back here to finish the rest of it. It really takes a special kind of love to love brothers and sisters that are full of humanity. Which is every brother that there is and every sister that there is. So it comes with a special anointing, of course, of the agape. As I said, we can love a God whom we've never seen. Most of us have never even heard his voice. We've read his word, but in reality, we don't know that much about his person other than what we can see right here. But to be able to love brothers and sisters that we go to church with, that we're around, and we see their faults and their failures and their mistakes. Of course, we don't have any, so they don't see ours. But we're dealing with theirs all the time because we're the perfect example of a hypothalian. My, the perfect example of a message believer. If you want to see a perfect message believer, look at me, brother. Or you're the poster child, are you? You're the poster child of what a message person ought to be. Your pride and arrogance tells me you'll never make the poster. That's right. God's not looking for pride. He's looking for humility. So here the Bible instructs us then to love our brothers and sisters, but it will take a special kind of God's love ministering to us in a different facet of love than what just loving God will do. Oh my. Y'all want me to go on or should I stop? Was that 50-50 or 45-55? It's hard to tell that. Notice 1 Thessalonians 4, 9. But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you. For ye yourselves, I love this scripture, so amazing to me. Ye are ye yourselves are taught of God. To love one another. You see, if God is in you, God by inherent nature teaches you to love your brothers. But sometimes a preacher has to kind of hammer it a little hard. Hebrews 13, 1, let brotherly love continue. 1 Peter 1, 22, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truths of the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Now wonder why they keep saying this. 
because this little beetle is among them. He's got his greedy teeth. He's wanting to eat on their love. You can have signs, you can have wonders, you can have a church with thousands of people. You can have everything going for you in that church. And if that little beetle grabs a hold of your brotherly love, unless you get a hold of it, it will destroy your church. Oh, we have supernatural. I believe in supernatural, but supernatural alone won't keep you. If I could live my life every day of my life, 24-7 every day of my life in the supernatural realm, I wouldn't have very many problems. And neither would you. But the truth of it is, I'll live more of it in this natural realm than I do the supernatural realm. And you do too. You might as well say amen to it. So I have to learn how to fight against that enemy which is constantly there. What's he want to do? Strip me of my fruit. And then strip me of the bark around my tree and strip me of my leaves and get me right down till I'm nothing but a stump. A stump. Oh, praise God. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Now, some of y'all are pitiful, but I don't think you're understanding it. <laughs> oh, glory to God, I'm pitiful. That ain't what Peter was saying. He was saying, show pity. Show pity. It's amazing how we are as humans. This particular brother, we'll say Brother Skip. Brother Skip gets the flu. He gets double pneumonia, bronchitis. He's got gout on top of that, a kidney stone. His eyes all swelled out. His right hand's as big as a bucket. Somebody that don't like him said, God's getting him. Next week, it happens to them except on the left side. Pray for me, I'm going through this trial. Oh, praise God. God must love me so much. I, I guess I don't understand how we differentiate between the trial and the devil doing the whipping. And the, It amazes me how that we are. Come on now. Don't sit there and look at me. You know what it shows? A lack of brotherly love. We go through something, we automatically make it a trial. Somebody else goes through something that we don't like. Uh-huh, God's getting them. Yeah, I knew. I knew God would get them. I knew they didn't shake my hand. You better be careful. Amen, Brother Donnie. Brother Donnie, don't you want to see the supernatural among us? I do, and it is among us. But I'll tell you what I'd like to see along with the supernatural. More brotherly love. More sisterly love. Come on, saints. Well, we love one another and pray for one another. One of our brothers hurt. We hurt with them. When we hear they're having a trial, we cry with them. We offer prayer. Come on, saints. Brotherly love. Sisterly love. This is part of God's word. Oh, I know it ain't very deep. I know it don't make me a great master theologian. You've heard me long enough to know I ain't that know-how. But this is the truth. And this is the first little thing that that greedy devil looked at and said, If I can get it to love, I'll destroy them. Oh my, 1 John three fourteen. we know that we have passed from death unto life because we shout and we jump around and we have supernatural and we pray for folks and they're healed and because we love the brethren. 
He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Now all of us know John 3.16, but do we know 1 John 3.16? John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But notice, the same guy who wrote that, wrote this one. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. Now he brings it from the man tree over to the bride tree. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now we're getting the merging together of the man tree showing that the rights to the tree of life had been burst back into the bride of what Eve could never get. This could never be restored to Eve. Once she fell away from that, she'd never get eternal life. Absolutely never. But God reserves something for you and me, brother, sister. And that is the very life of the tree himself, the king tree. You imagine then we come from John 3, 16, that God so loved the world. And then John said, and that is true, that he laid down his life for us. But if the man tree lives in us, we will lay down our life for others. This is one good way, whether you know you got the Holy Ghost or not. If you're all the time thinking about me, me, I, I, me, me, my time, the way I want it, I, 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 you ain't got the Holy Ghost and you might as well forget it. You ever get the Holy Ghost, you'll die to your selfishness. Well, come on, some of you men in your home, you think it's all about you. Some of you women think it's all about you. Some of you come to a church, you think it's all about you. It ain't about you. It's about him and us as a family. Homer. Now the first, he's going to eat on the fruit of the tree. This picture, a big tree of God's tree, it's bearing nine spiritual gifts. They're healing the sick. They're bleep, bleep, bleep. They're bleep, bleep, bleep. And they're bleep, bleep, bleep. Y'all don't want me to bleep? You want me to say it? I believe I will. They're healing the sick. They're speaking in tongues. They're casting out devils. They're doing great works. And they're preaching. Lord have mercy. And preaching the unadulterated, well, that right there, that's some of the message folks out since they don't believe in preaching. That shows they're not the bride tree. Ooh, boy, it's getting warm in here. Preaching the unadulterated word of God. No denomination to tie them down. They're free. Children, don't you understand? This is what I want us to be. This is what I want us to remain. A free people by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Not free from obedience. Not free from the word of God. But free from the dominance of man. Of man trying to tell us what to do. Of man trying to rule our lives and rule our church. We want to be ruled by the Holy Ghost. And the living God as God brings his word to us. Now watch Brother Barron. I'll, I'll close here momentarily. So in come this little old devil setting up with his two horns setting out in front like a grasshopper. Little old greedy teeth. That's his first, the palm worm. He come in to eat off Brother Eleven and say, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so over our so-and-so church. I wouldn't believe that bunch of people. There he is, the first thing. Next, he wanted to eat 
on the fruit of faith. Faith in the word. How do you know that this word? It's been translated so many times, the devil's still eating. That word's been translated so many times, he's this or that or the other, he's all it. Now put that fruit off and eat it. Joy of salvation, shh. You make too much noise. So here he come, he eat off the brotherly love. Everybody went to church, I could catch this. Ah, don't touch me. You got my parking spot. Just sticking everybody. Even when you praise God, you do it like a sawara. Some of you jumping cactus. Just because you jump don't mean that you've still got the Spirit of God. Why do I have to sit by her? It makes me so mad. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Uh-huh. Brotherly love. Oh, y'all believe the message? Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all love one another? Thank you, Jesus. And then we wonder why the supernatural ain't among us any greater than it is. Well, praise God. Romans chapter 10, verse 10, chapter 10, excuse me, I'm getting all tongue-tied. Verse 17, y'all making me nervous. So then faith coming by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews eleven six. but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. So this little old, little old thing with these horns on the front begins to say, you can't believe that word. Look at there, there's mistakes here and there's things over here. How did you know that's just a bunch of men? That's a Jewish fable. Just eating and eating and eating. I've looked all over the newspapers. I can't find no newspaper clipping or nothing about no so many people falling off that bridge up there, Ohio River. I can't find no news media that said this. Thing. Have you ever found a newspaper clipping that said Moses was up on top of the mountain? Have you ever seen where anybody in the AP, the Associated Press, made a picture of the pillar of fire and Moses come down off the mountain of God? But you see, when he goes eating on your face and little trivial points, you think he eats and he eats and he eats and he eats. And before long, you're not even sure if there is a God. Let's stand. Most time, whenever I say that, somebody says, oh, nobody did all today. Everybody <laughs> say, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> well, friends, I know sometimes it's tough, but we know it's the truth. Look, be honest with me. This is what affects our lives. You know as well as I do, people professing to be message believers and not living up to this type of word is one of the greatest reproaches that we have. I do not want my life to be a reproach on the word.
Do you? You want to be a bride tree? You want to be a stick in the mud? You just want to be a stick that's stuck out in the mud that has no life? Not me. I want to be a living tree with fruit and bark and leaves. Praise God. God bless you. Let's bow our heads together if you would. While we consider these things today, I wonder if there's any along with myself that would like to be remembered today before the Lord. Lord, I, I need more of these things I've heard about. I want more. I need more, Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Maybe outstreaming the service as well. Let's just pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, your word is so mesmerizing. It has the ability to make us laugh one moment and then it'll make us cry. And then it turns on us. Oh, I know sometimes folks that turn and say, why in the world is he making people laugh? They don't know what I'm doing. They don't understand. They don't understand I'm breaking the tension. I'm breaking something so I can turn with that sword and pierce their very hearts with it. So, Lord, we've seen this here today that you bring us serious things. And then you may say something that would make us jolly a little bit. And then you turn the sword inward on us. So here we are, Lord, with your sword turned inwardly toward our very hearts today. We pray, Lord Jesus, you would help us. Forgive us for our weaknesses, our failures, our shortcomings. We ask, dear God, that you would increase our brotherly love. I love the way the writers wrote it, Lord, because they put it that it was a correlation between God and man working together. That one of them said, let brotherly love continue. So it wasn't that supernaturally you would do it on your own. You would do your part, but we must allow you to do that part through us. So help us, Father, to let or allow or permit brotherly love. But Lord, for so many, they struggle with their rights. Well, so-and-so hurt me so bad, and they need to apologize to me first, and they need to, then, then I'll do it. And we're all concerned about our rights. But I'm concerned today about one right in particular, the right to the tree of life. And I know as long as I hang on to my rights as a human, the right to the tree of life will be denied to me. So as a Laodicean, living in this time frame, my soul's moved into eternity, but in time we're still here. Help me, help these people to be willing to forfeit our rights, to live and do and act as we choose to do, that we might have the right to eternal life, that we might have the right to the tree of life, that the man tree, Christ Jesus, and reflect himself through us now father in our ranks we have another eve tree which has been here for many years now among us it's that twin that brother Renham talked about that would be born of the same father or the same movement rather the same word but have different fathers luther had a twin wesa had a twin pentecost had a twin and we've got a twin and our twin does not follow Billy Graham. Our twin does not follow Oral Roberts. Our twin follows the teaching of Malachi 4. 
at least part of it. It may look like us, talk like us, listen to tapes like we do. But it's missing the pollen of the male. The prophet likened it to a little female bird in the spring when she goes to making her nest. But he said, unless she's been with the male, all she has is a nest full of rotten eggs. It's evident, Lord Jesus, from a lot that we've seen come and go in our church and around our ranks around the world. A lot of what we've had is rotten eggs. They sit there for a while and they never go on. They never birth. They never come to the reality of Christ. Before long, they become rotten and putrefying, stinking, and then they leave. They go to running down the church, the message, the preachers, what, oh, it never was nothing in the first place. No, it wasn't the church that was nothing. It was them that was nothing. They never had no life. Father, we don't want to become that. Lord Jesus, we don't want to be a rotten egg. We want to be a bride tree. It's amazing how you do this because you baptize us collectively, yet individually, your prophet said, into the mystical body. So we're standing today as a bride tree internationally around the world, but we're an individual bride tree as individuals. May you look at us, Father. May the Spirit of God just x-ray as it was our lives. Check my bark. Check my leaves, check my sap, check everything about me, Lord. Help me, Jesus. Check my brotherly love, my face, my joy, my gentleness, my kindness, my temperance. Check me, Lord Jesus. I don't want that little greedy devil eating off of me. Help us, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. How many wants him to search your heart too? Would you raise your hands to him? I will be your house to dwell in. Flow through me. I will be that good Samaritan for some.
just sing it as you go.